I and nowadays it's like we're trying to flee from that. It's like awesome. no, we we don't want to we don't want to feel any pain. No we don't want to suffer. We don't want to obviously we don't want to be martyred. We like want no one wants that. Jobs, yeah. More money, paycheck raises, and then I read Acts and Paul is beat so many times. Chicka chicka cha chicka chicka cha. Oh. Why hello there. Welcome back to Captive Thoughts. This is EJ. This is Caleb. And uh, this is week five of our podcast. We've made it five weeks into this podcast. I was about to correct you again and say week four. It's like the third time before we started this. Thing. Yeah, I know. Week four, <laughs> week week four. This is week five, though. And uh, we hope that the sound quality may be a little different Hopefully, for this episode. Maybe. Because we have two microphones now. And we learned to stop recording next to a kitchen. <laughs> we, we have literally <laughs> been recording next to a kitchen where the fridge has been so loud. So you've probably been hearing that in the background. <laughs> and like you'll be listening and suddenly if you're like it suddenly gets quiet because the fridge stopped running. But we didn't we so didn't even realize how we, bad it was so we were listening back and we were like, wow, that is so obnoxious. We, we just picked it up. We're like, what is that horrible noise in the so, background? Hopefully no more bad noise. Noises. We hope not. Guys, this is a candid conversation. It's also cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also cheap. There's no studio. We're in my living room. The amount of money so. we put into this podcast so far, essentially nothing. Just the mic. Just the microphones. That's it. And then so. we already own the computers and everything. Yeah. So and, and apparently the thoughts that are in our brain that nobody else wanted to hear but we're forcing upon. <laughs> no, no one else cares about At least thoughts. anybody who wants to listen. Yeah. So. We, we have no staff, really. Your wife has helped us, though, a little bit. Oh, yeah. So She's helped us. Amy gets credit for our artwork. Yep. She did that. So if you guys like the artwork, give a big shout out to Amy on there because that's that's all her. Yeah, we gave, her the, we gave her the idea of like what the podcast was about and she literally just came up yeah. with it, it we was just amazing. threw at her the second corinthians 10 5 we were like mm-hmm. here's what we want to talk about and then she made that image mm-hmm. i think it's pretty cool she came up with yep. the whole dove with the you know the fig or uh what, what yeah fig called? leaf the i think leaf. or the olive branch oh it's or, olive branch olive that's, branch, what, that's yeah. what it's supposed to represent <laughs> we don't even know our we don't own, even know our own logo it's just something amy did and it's amazing and we love it well um, like we think there's a dove in it and then she threw the words behind which was mm-hmm. basically just the the dove is blocking out all of the things that are not Christian, yeah. which some people might debate me on. Bring it. Bring but, it. <laughs> um, but I mean, that we, yeah. we only had to write things that were like the early church said, this is wrong. And we yeah. agree because we agree with the church fathers. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. Shout out to Amy for that yeah. logo. We love it. It is great. It's beautiful. Yeah. So for this uh, episode, I thought it'd be nice talking about our little logo and the dove blocking out things that are, you know, not Christian. I think we discussed that for this episode, we kind of want to talk about how sometimes Christians struggle with calling out people for like false teachings. Yeah. And it can be kind of awkward. Sometimes there's confrontation. Um, but I think you and I have both been noticing recently that there's kind of this desire for peace and unity while compromising like doctrine and truth. So true. Yeah. I think sometimes it's like a, a fear of causing disunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And don't get me wrong, I mean, we're we're for unity and oh, yeah. peace. Yeah, absolutely. Like those are obviously things we should be pursuing. I mean it would be beautiful to see the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, all of us come together into mm-hmm. one 
family again. It would. Mm-hmm. But the issue is when you throw all those people into a room together, there are some major doctrinal issues mm-hmm. within Roman Catholicism. Um, yeah, and there's there's issues within certain streams of Protestantism too. So you, right. it gets complicated. But the problem is there's so many Christians who have like a very fundamental belief. And then when somebody else has a belief that's like totally opposite of that, mm-hmm. they don't want to say anything because church disunity. But the question is, if somebody is preaching something like opposite of what you believe to be the gospel, mm-hmm. then are they actually members of the church? Right. Like that's that's what I would like. To what point is it the same gospel now? Right. Is the question, and we, and we kind of talked about this in in prior episodes yeah. with Christ plus works and Christ plus other really things, anything but... where you put Christ plus, then you just know it's wrong. Yeah. And I get it. Like I've I've people have argued with me. Are you like a a solo scriptura guy. Well, yeah, but in the traditional reformed reformers sense, they mm-hmm. didn't mean like it was only scripture they needed. They just meant scripture has the final authority on all things. Mm-hmm. And so it's not in the sense of like, I just have my Bible and I'm good. Like I still need community and tradition. Right. I need my church. I need my groups. I need prayer. Mm-hmm. And the Bible informs those things as the foundation for them, but not alone. I think that that mm-hmm. is the traditional view that the reformers had. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. And I, and I think as someone who's currently in systematic theology, I think a lot of the pushback I receive is that systematic theology sometimes uses sources other than scripture. And people say, like to me, I've heard this at seminary, like the pushback against systematics, like, oh, you don't refer to the Bible enough. Or, you know, <laughs> the Bible isn't your foundation. You, you turn to philosophy and you know, experience and all these other sources. But I would agree with what you're saying. Even in an academic sense of systematic theology, like scripture is the final word and the foundation. However, we do use other sources um, to help form our theology. And uh, I think that's how just humans do theology, right? Because we're physical people and we live and have experiences and, you know, have emotions and all these things that we go through. And those can greatly impact um, what we think about God and and we hope that scripture is conforming and you're taking those thoughts captive. A little shout out to the podcast title. <laughs> but um, yeah, when people differ or disagree with you, how do you handle that? I think that's kind of what we want to talk about today. What's yeah. what's the right way to confront someone maybe? The right way to like engage and interact with someone who opposes Maybe talk about some ways where it's not as beneficial. I don't know. What were you yeah. thinking? Maybe I mean, run in with that a little bit? Yeah, I think I think there's like different ways to disagree with somebody correctly. Yeah. You know, so I, I think there's a difference between your pastor says something wrong or a friend says something wrong and you're like, hey, let's talk about that. And then I think you can get to like a full scale, like everything they say constantly turns back. Mm-hmm. to something that's not true about the gospel. So I think there's almost like a, a scale you have to put it on where you have to measure like, okay, the pastor or my friend or whoever said this, uh, does the rest of their theology build off of that? Because if it does, then maybe we have a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, then maybe it's like this one thing that was said and we should talk about it. Why was it said? And, you know, do you believe this, that, and the other to get to that conclusion? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, especially when, like, for certain people, like, let's take, for instance, like, healing. Like, for certain people, like, everything goes back to healing. Yeah. Like, that's the focus. Like, their theology centers on this notion of, like, God desires to heal everyone all the time, 
like every possible like sickness, disease, everything. And so all our theology constantly is pointing back to healing. And we obviously see in scripture, Christ healed and that. And the apostles did. And the apostles did. And throughout like the New Testament, there's this affirmation that Christ has come to like restore humanity and restore creation. So there is this healing aspect with like the gospel, but is that all that the gospel is? And I think some people make that the gospel, which leaves room for conversation. And I think like when you start pushing back against, well, there are Christians who haven't received healing or don't receive healing. Then if that's the gospel, if the gospel is healing and there are people who aren't receiving healing, then like it it seems to me that the gospel kind of crumbles. Yeah. It becomes works-based. It becomes like, if I have enough faith, I'll get healed. But then they don't get healed of the affirmity they have. And they're like, oh, man, I'm not doing enough. Right. But um, I really appreciate the idea of the gospel is not about what you do. It's about what's been done. Mm. So we do because of what's been done. So it's not do so you get. It's you got, now do. Right. And and I think when, when we try to put that in worldly terms where it's like, if I don't have money or health then I must not have been given. Hmm. I think that really downplays one, our sinful humanity in eyes of God and the gift of Jesus' sacrifice. It's kind of like saying to God, like, man, I live in a rinky dink apartment with like (laughs) little money and I'm scraping by paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I have all these sicknesses and diseases and my body always hurts. And if God, you know, loved me, if I had enough faith, if I was believing enough, he Hmm. would heal all those things. And I think that, I I would be okay saying that God's probably looking at that and being like, you missed the gift. Hmm. That's not the gift. The gift was already given. The gift is salvation. And every other little thing is kind of just a cherry on top, if you will. Another gift from God that he gives us. When you start to see it that way too, I have a rinky-dink apartment, but I have a roof over my head. I live paycheck to paycheck, but I have a paycheck. I notice in Christians who live with that mindset, instead of thinking about how little they have, about how much they've been given, that there's suddenly like this switch that flips Mm -hmm. where the focus is not on what I'm being given right now in the present, but what has been given, done in Jesus and how's that influence how I live now. Right. And as like someone who personally, I take my health for granted so often, but it's like, Man, when I'm sick or, you (laughs) know, I'm going through something, like, really heavy, afterwards, I'm always more, like, so much more grateful. Like, oh, wow, I do have health. Where before, sometimes I just complain, like, oh, you know, my my knee hurts and, you know, my shoulder's sore, you know. (laughs) But then after you go through, like, a really difficult, like, circumstance, then you look back and you say, oh, wow, no, the Lord really has blessed me with so much. I've been kind of complaining when I shouldn't be, really, because he's been gracious to me. Or you go through a common cold and you're like, ah, man, I remember when I was sick or uh, healthy and I took that for granted. (laughs) Then you get healthy and you still take it for granted. You you go back to that that, uh, cycle. Which brings you to... The idea of healing God, if God desires to heal all the time, which is kind of where our conversation is going here, Mm -hmm. then if it took a common cold for me to recognize that I don't always appreciate what I've been given, Mm -hmm. then isn't suffering a part of understanding the grace we've been given? Mm. Because I think suffering brings out in us that we take for granted the times that are good and don't don't thank God enough for them. Mm -hmm. And then when we suffer, we only blame him. 
right. for the suffering or complain that we've been suffering without looking at the good things around us. So I think suffering done rightly, done mm-hmm. joyless, joyless, joyously, wow. <laughs> joylessly, joyously, <laughs> joy, you guys joylessly have no suffered. idea what I was trying to say. That, that's okay. <laughs> if you're trying to suffer in a joyful way, there it there is. Go, I think that means that in the suffering, you make it within yourself to appreciate when you weren't suffering mm. more. And make it yourself to appreciate even the time of suffering as a place of growth Yeah. with God. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So when you try to strip it and you're like, oh, God just desires to heal everybody all the time. And if you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. I think that that's faulty theology. That's that's yeah. not what the gospel's about. Yeah. And I've, I've become more convinced um, in recent months that, you know, we, we see those passages on rejoicing and suffering and sharing in Christ's suffering and... Um, you know, partaking um, in the death of Christ and, and those kind of things, uh, those themes that we see in the New Testament. But I've become more and more convinced that the Lord is like present in our sufferings. And often when we go through a suffering, not just like a healing issue, but like any sort of like hardship in life, in the midst of it, I think a default position is, you know, where's God? Why me? Like, I must be That's doing good. something wrong. Instead of thinking, oh, the Lord is in this, and the Lord is teaching me something, and the Lord is using this so I will grow and conform more to the image of Christ. Like, I think what you talked about with the roof over your head and, you know, those kind of things, like, how are we viewing the world? How are we viewing our circumstances? If we look at healing and say, well, God must heal me, like, this has to happen, like, I, I earned this, I deserve this, like, this is mine, rather than man, I'm going through this hardship with my health. Like, what is the Lord teaching me? I know the Lord is present in this. I know the Lord will use this, whether I receive healing or not, to conform me to the image of Christ. I think those, like, mentalities, those ways of, like, viewing it, I think that's that's a more appropriate way and better fitting to the gospel, in yeah. my opinion. And it's kind of like if you put your mindset in that place, I think this is like even a psychology thing. Amy would probably affirm us and talk about psychology, mm-hmm. but yep. it's, they, they have that thing like you are what you think. Mm. Um, my mom has Parkinson's disease and I've heard doctors say like, the more you think about the fact that you have it, the further it's going to progress. Oh, wow. But when you don't, it doesn't progress as fast. And so I think that's a really important thing. I think we do that in suffering mm-hmm. where if all we do is talk about how bad things are going, all we do is talk about our suffering, mm-hmm. then you just go into a deep, dark hole of despair mm-hmm. and that's not where you're going to find God. Right. But if you are going through suffering like you just said, remembering all the good things, then the suffering is going to be so much easier. I think that really is what it means to like when Christ says my yoke is easy. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to recognize how big God is and how little your problems are mm-hmm. than it is to constantly bear the weight of how bad everything is. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, just the way we view the gospel, the way we view like Christ's work and what he's doing now, I think has really practical implications like we've been talking yeah. about, like how we are living, um, yeah, the way we think, conforming our thoughts. Um, I guess back to what we started on, uh-huh. uh, when it comes to calling somebody out on, on those things, when it, it specifically you brought up healing, Yeah. what is, and I know this is candid, your own opinion, <laughs> what is a right theology of healing and what is a theology of healing that you would say goes outside the bounds and should be called out? 
Interesting. We're, we're going down this path. <laughs> we're doing it. I, I'm glad people have listened to the first four weeks, uh, but after this week, they're probably going to stop <laughs> listening. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> week five, they, they went too far. Um, so, so you're asking, what is the bounds of like correct thinking in terms of healing? Yeah, because I, I know like, we would both healing? affirm mm-hmm. that Jesus healed and the apostles healed. Yeah. And I, I personally would affirm that healing does and can happen today. I would agree. Um, but so then when does that take in too far? Right. Which is what you were talking about is when your theology is built on it. But what does that what does that look like to you? Right. Well, a, a lot of um, my thoughts and and theology of healing a lot of it is kind of dictated not only from like a scriptural conviction but honestly a lot of it is dictated by like experience of what i've seen Hmm. um i've seen christians who i can confidently say like we're followers of jesus love the lord like full of faith get cancer and not receive healing and pass away like from cancer like i've seen it at, at my local church and so you sit there and you think, well, if I believe that God will heal every single time, like, how do I reconcile that then? Yeah. Because I can't say in my, like, in my conscience, I can't say, oh, well, they weren't really a Christian. Like, maybe God only heals Christians. It's like, no, they were definitively a Christian. Like, I can say that. Yeah. But they weren't, like, healed of their cancer. So, like, for me, my theology is kind of impacted by experience. And I don't want that to be like the driving force, like, oh, theology is just out of my experiences. But if I do see like, wow, that person, like they never received their healing and they love God, then I have to go back and I have to start over with, all right, does God like desire to heal every single time? Like does scripture really advocate for that? And we do see uh, examples in the Gospels where, like, Jesus is traveling from village to village, and he heals all the people there from their sicknesses. Like, we see that. But we also see examples where there are people, like, coming after Jesus, like, to receive healing, and he goes away, like, yeah. and, and spends time in prayer. I was just going to say, there's a passage, I don't know where it's found, though, but it it's like he comes into the town, and everybody's bringing their sick, and he turns mm-hmm. to his disciples and says, let's go away and pray. Right. And he tur- And he doesn't. He doesn't heal. Right. And I think it's important to remember that sometimes even Jesus didn't heal. Right. Right. Didn't heal. There were times. Now, obviously, like Jesus is kind of famously known for doing miraculous right. healings. So like you said earlier, I absolutely believe Jesus can and, yeah. and does heals. Like God still does that. I think the fact that Jesus didn't heal on certain occasions brings us back to the problem of taking it too far. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some in the church that would say if there's not a miracle... It, attached to your presentation of the gospel, right. then it's not a full presentation of the gospel. Right. But clearly that wasn't Jesus's concern. Right. In fact, when he healed the leper, he said, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees were like freaking out. And he was like, what's better for me to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk. And obviously there's lots of exegesis you could do there mm-hmm. to get into it. But one thing that's really clear to me is what was more important is that the man's sins are forgiven and not that he's healed on earth. I think right. a th- we're kind of getting into a theology of healing here, mm-hmm. but I think a, th- a, the- a good theology of healing is not fearing death. I feel mm-hmm. like, People who push that God wants to heal all the time without excuses, those who are faithful, ignore the fact that Jesus defeated death. And so we should right. go. I mean, the, the well, early like, church celebrated martyrs. Well, that's what I was literally just about to bring up is like you look at the early church, like they were put literally in life threatening situations. They were yeah. suffering 
right? Not receiving healing. And they weren't saying, God, why aren't you like rescuing me from this? Why aren't you healing me? They like joyfully entered into martyrdom and like yes. wanted to suffer for Christ. I and nowadays remember. it's like, we're trying to flee from that. It's like, Constantly. no, we, we don't want to, we don't want to feel any pain. No we suffering. don't want to suffer. We don't want to, obviously we don't want to be martyred. We like, want no one better wants that. jobs, yeah. more money, paycheck raises. And then I read Acts and Paul is beat so many times. Right. He's taken out and stoned and beat and thrown in prison. And not once do you read in Paul's writings where he's like, um, you know, God healed me of the beating and, or, you know, God is, is withdrawing himself from me because I'm being beat. No, he's constantly just like, I suffer with gladness and joy in my heart for the grace that is set before us. Like that's mm-hmm. like, it's a huge deal that that's there. Right. And obviously in Acts Stephen, like the first martyr, like yeah. that whole account where it's like, he knew like his life was on the line and he was going to be stoned. And right. yet like. We, we see that he joyfully like looked up to the to the heavens and like saw the presence of God and you know like just the beauty that yeah. we see throughout church history of like people willing to suffer for Christ and even like lose their life but nowadays it's like if I'm sick at all <laughs> like something is which wrong. sometimes just means like <laughs> I live below a poverty line or what I perceive as a poverty line mm-hmm. then I'm sick and God's not actually with me right which I think is also very faulty. Jesus said nothing. Hmm. His entire ministry, he had no home. Right. He, you know, slept where people gave him a place to sleep and ate where people gave him food to eat. Yeah, his own people rejected him. His, yeah, and so I think it's important for us to recognize that God might call you to have nothing. Hmm. And, and to find really great joy in that. And here's the thing. If God calls you to have nothing, that's still the gospel, though. Yeah. Like just because you have nothing or your health is depleting or your financial resources are limited doesn't mean, oh, like something's wrong with the gospel. Yeah. And I think that, again, people like conflate that. Like, oh, the gospel must mean that I have health or I have like all these things that I desire and that, you know, God is fulfilling all these like amazing aspects of my life. They, they equate that to the gospel. Yeah. And I think what we're trying to say is even if you strip all those things away— from our lives, like the gospel is still active and alive and real. And those things don't make up what the gospel is. I think you can live in joy and gladness, no matter what situation you're put in based alone on the gospel itself. Hmm. So we know that statistically the richest people in the world are also the saddest people in the world, Hmm. except for the ones who are Christians. Hmm. Most of the time, the Christian rich, you don't hear about them because they're just joyfully doing what they're doing yeah, and, and they're doing great. And the joyfully poor, I've met a lot of them. Uh, I used to work, do work with dry bones, Denver. Okay. And yeah. those guys were really cool. This is when I was much younger, but most of the homeless people that I've ever met are pretty dang joyful people. Yeah. Not all of them, but most of them. And it's funny is there's almost always the ones that I met that were joyful had a relationship with God because we'd go out. Um, this was actually with a, a very charismatic church that I would now, not that I have anything against charismatics, I consider myself a charismatic, but I would distance myself from some of their theology. But we'd go out and we'd be talking to people and mm-hmm. want to give them a Bible. And I do remember the pastors would always be preaching over these poor people about how God was going to pull them out of their situation and give them money and riches and they'd be praying for that. But the one thing that always struck me is the people we were praying for didn't really agree Hmm. with that and would actually talk about how happy they already were. And that always struck me in such a way where I was like, 
they just prayed that he'd have riches and everything. And this guy's talking about how happy he already is in the Lord and how he yeah. already knows the Lord is good. Yeah. And that was always striking. Yeah. 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 It's almost like we're missing something when like the goods that we have bring us our joy instead of like what, what you said, like what Christ has done and yeah. like the joy that is found in that. And any health that we do have and any possessions we do have that the Lord blesses us with, like that's above and beyond like the work of Christ, you know, yeah. then that's, you could say like that is like a ramification, but like to say like, that's what it means like to be living in the gospels, to have these things. Yeah. I and think, there's no joy. Yeah, in that. yeah. No joy. And then yeah. Like faulty theology. Dude, I think you're missing something. As a teenager, early college, I used to be super wrapped up in technology yeah. So like every new phone that was coming out, I was constantly like, you know, watching all of the big conferences about the new iPhone, the new Samsung. Mm-hmm. And I was always wanting to get the next best thing I could. And that was so lonely and disgusting. Right. And now it's like, I mean, I think the phone I've had, I've had for like three years and I still don't really care to hmm. upgrade or upgrade. It's, yeah. it's a phone. I call, I call EJ. That's the only <laughs> yeah. person I talk to is EJ. I don't need anything more. But, I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, you try to get to the point where it's yeah. like, if you just have joy in what you've already been given, you don't need anything else. Right. I mean, when you start to recognize the things that are around you that you can do and learn, like you've seen the books I have, mm-hmm. I, I'm still digging into Greek from yep. when we learned it. And I would actually find more joy sitting and working on Greek than I would like trying to play some new video game right. or buy some new thing to do. Because when you're just joyful with what you have, it's an expression of great gratitude to God. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to like further your point, I would completely agree because like for you, like technology was a thing that like would like really capture your attention. For me, it's always been like fashion and shoes. You know, you kind of know that I love, I I love shoes. I, you know, I love getting new clothes. Like that's just a little hobby I have, but yeah, like even recently I've kind of looked back and it's like, man, like it's really hard to be content when you're constantly like striving after the next pair of shoes, the next like newest like outfit or whatever it is, like instead of just being joyful in the Lord and resting like what you have, um, it's a lot more like frustrating and you know, it does suck the joy out of you when you're like constantly striving like for the newest thing. Um, and instead of like being grateful for what you have. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I agree. Dude, we're totally going to launch a spinoff podcast on this. <laughs> that's called like fashion with EJ. Yes. And it's just going to be like pictures of each new set of clothing you wear before we record the podcast. And you're going to talk about how you put it together. I'll be starting my modeling career. It's going to be so hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> so off topic. So off topic. I think, love it. I think where we're going here. Right, like rightly understood. So I have to explain this in such a way that somebody wouldn't misunderstand it. Yeah. But if you are in a church or under theology that puts weight on you to do Mm -hmm. or to be something that you can't, you're not in a good church Mm. and you're not living under right theology because what we've been talking about is freedom to suffer Mm. and freedom to not have and freedom to just be. Yeah. In a world, especially in our country, that says you ha- you need to become your best self yep. or you need to have the best of this mm-hmm. and suffering is bad. And I think that really the, the yoke is easy in Jesus when we can be free to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean like 
somebody would take that and be like, oh, Caleb's saying we're free to do whatever. I'm saying that Christ frees us from having having to stay with cultural acceptance. Right. Be okay with not being in the grain of everybody else. And when somebody looks at your life and they think it's ordinary, that's okay. Hmm. Because life doesn't need to be some big, rambunctious, I sold everything and I moved to Africa and I'm out here and suddenly Jesus started pouring in money. Because guess what? That only happens to like one out of the 100% of people who actually do that. Hmm. And some people are called to that. And that's yeah. beautiful. But if, if your church, if your theology that you're under is saying that if you don't do that, you're not adding up as a Christian, then that's not the gospel. Because right. it's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. Right. And then you do based on what he's done. Right. Because, yeah, like, even in Acts, we don't see, like, when Peter gives that sermon and 3,000 are converted to Christ. Like, you don't see, like, Peter going, oh, I really hope I can get as many, like, you know, or, like, the healing. I, I really hope, like, every person I hit, like, what they were doing was we're content in the Lord. We know the power of the gospel, and we're going to go out and reach as many people as we can. And and it's not based on our merit and our work, but what yeah. Christ has done. And we're going to be used by him. And we're going to be content with whatever the outcome is. Yeah. But yeah, like what you're saying. Dude, I've been reading, like I said, in Acts. Paul didn't stop being a tent maker. Mm. And he also didn't complain when he was suffering. Yeah. And I think there's something to say about that. And it's because his rest was in the Lord, not in possessions or place or value given to him from anything. Mm-hmm. He just did the work. He counted, he he counted all as, as loss, as nothing for yeah. the sake of Christ. In fact, knowing him. Scubalon, he counted it as poop. <laughs> poop. That's what the yeah. word means. I count it as dung. Yeah. Everything in compared to knowing Christ. Yeah, knowing Christ. And I, I actually like uh, the CSB translation actually calls it dung. <laughs> really? And I love that because everybody else is like it's garbage or trash. And it's like, no, Paul was literally talking about dung, guys. <laughs> he was saying compared to knowing Jesus, it's all dung. It's dung. And I, I couldn't agree more because yeah. now that I've lived with him over these past couple years and I've seen what he has taken and what he has given and the things he's taken, I'm so glad he took. Mm-hmm. And the things he's given is so much more. And I'm not talking physical possessions. I'm talking right. about the conviction of when I sin against a friend and need to repent of it. Yeah. And the relationship he continuously calls me to, to pray with him and be with him. Um, and we all do it. We get wrapped up in our little things. Like mm-hmm. I'll find myself spending too much time trying to text somebody or read some stupid article, mostly gospel coalition. And they're not stupid. They're great, but you could waste so much time right. doing that stuff. And then God's just like, Hey, like come pray. Yeah. Come talk, come be with me. And to me, like those times when I actually take the time to do that are so much more fruitful. Yeah. Draw, yeah. Drawing back to the beauty of the gospel and yeah. the simplicity of it in Christ. Yeah. Well, thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Captive Thoughts. Hope you enjoyed it. Once again, feel free to uh, like us on Facebook, comment on Facebook, Instagram, um, all the different platforms. Facebook. (laughs) Um, Did I mention we have a Facebook? Um, But yeah, feel free to uh, reach out to us. on You're all on our YouTube, platforms. Subscribe you, on YouTube. Yep. So yeah, subscribe, like our page on YouTube. Here's the important thing: if you want us to get airwave, you got to do this. If you don't, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we really do appreciate your support. And yeah, once again, every Monday we will be posting a new episode. So stay tuned.